When he rolled up his sleeves, he ain't putting on the ribs. Our God is an awesome God. There's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fists. Our God is an awesome God. And the Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. It wasn't for no reason that he shed his blood. His return is very close, so you'd better be believing. Our God is an awesome God. everyone welcome to episode 28 of vague zone i'm thomas and i am daniel and this week we are talking about the 2014 movie godzilla directed by gareth edwards and daniel would you like to read the synopsis sure the world is beset by the appearance of monstrous creatures but one of them may be the only one who can save humanity Nice. So yeah, this is the start of a new series. We're going to be talking about the MonsterVerse. So yeah, this is going to be the introduction to that. And we're I'm excited about this because yeah, it's a fun series of movies. Um, what did you think of Godzilla 2014? Uh, when I first saw Godzilla 2014, I, I liked it. I, I knew it had its problems. I knew it wasn't a very good movie, but I still came out of it positive mm-hmm. uh more positive than emily did we saw it in theaters together we saw it in 3d actually okay um on a rewatch uh i think it's kind of boring okay. um it's super dark i don't know how i saw it in 3d because visually i don't know if it, if it was the same for you but visually it was very dark like it was very hard yeah, to see yeah. what was going on um i love all the action uh of which there is not that much um, but I love the way Gareth Edwards frames the monsters. He does this thing where he's usually framing from like human level. You're seeing a lot of uh, people wanting running running around in the foreground while all the action's happening in the background. And um, the design, the sound design's great. I really like the music. But the thing that makes this a boring movie is that it's it's a Godzilla movie that only has about ten minutes of Godzilla in it. And yeah the human story really drags for me and we can get more into why, but uh, yeah, give me your thoughts. Gotcha. I think I'm a little bit on the opposite side of this because I love this movie. Um, Mm. I, I grew up with the, I think it's 1997 or 1998 Godzilla. So Matthew Broderick one was the Godzilla that was like really close to my heart for a, a long time and not really having another alternative Godzilla up until when this came out. And I feel like this is a little bit of, a response to the like oversaturation of Marvel movies and a little bit of the over the topness that those movies sort of go in that direction. I like that it's more subdued. It's definitely focused on the humans. I think that's one of the strengths of the movie. And yeah, it is a little dark. Um, I watched this in the morning, but like I had all my blinds and everything closed. So I think I was able to sort of still enjoy it despite it having a, a really muted color palette. But yeah, I love this mm-hmm. movie. I, I, um, yeah, a lot of these sequences I just I'm really into. One of the the big criticisms of this movie is that like, yeah, the human characters aren't that compelling, and yeah, it was like pitched as more of a Brian Cranston vehicle, and he's not really in the yeah. movie for very long. But I I don't know. While rewatching it, I was like, yeah, he's in this movie for a, a sizable chunk of it, and I think he he does his part. 
and he like accomplishes what his character is meant to yeah. accomplish. Uh, yeah, uh, if people are sort of mixed on Aaron Taylor Johnston, we'll and, get into that. And, and <laughs> Elizabeth Olsen, yeah, yeah, I, I know it's a little muddy on that, but I, I love this. I, I think it's a, a fantastic movie. I really enjoy, yeah, just the angle of which this was sort of done. And yeah, I just, yeah, the, uh, the hate, the helo drop scene. I love that. And just, yeah, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to like about this movie. And I think I do understand the criticisms of it. And so yeah, we can kind of get into it. Yeah, this will be this will be an interesting conversation then. Oh yeah. Um I I don't like Brian Cranston's performance in this. I think he goes a little too big. Okay. Um it's like because in the beginning he's just a scientist but or, or an engineer and the way we're introduced to him he's like on a phone call and he's already going big like having an argument with someone on a phone. And then for, like you know we get some drama, he loses his wife in this terrible accident. And then the remainder of the movie that he's in, uh, he's kind of unhinged, and yeah. he's kind. Of, it feels like he's going a little too big. I don't know. I'm not really digging the performance he's giving here. Yeah, he, I, his, his wig did stand out a little bit on this watch. I was like, okay, this uh, his wig is like it's definitely Heisenberg uh, Breaking Bad era, at least right around that time. And yeah, his hair is a little silly. I was like, okay, this is edging on the <laughs> on the on the side of just being ridiculous. But yeah, I don't know. And then, and then also, I'm just not totally. So you you said you felt like the character does what he needs to do here. Um, I I I feel like it's kind of a mistake to kill this character off so early, even though I even though I'm not crazy about the performance, because like the human story for me, I, I I appreciate the approach of like okay, we're gonna focus on the people and the monsters are gonna be background, the monsters are gonna be setting. But if you're going to do that, I think you need to have a really compelling human story. And I don't find the human story here all that compelling because this first act we get, the first act is kind of interesting. You know, Brian Cranston, like I said, he's an engineer. He loses his wife in this accident. Cut to years later. Um, he believes that the people who have locked down this area are trying to cover something up, which yeah. we end up realizing is uh, a monster. It's M Mudo is what the monster is called. And... Um, so like yeah, this is compelling. Like we have a guy who who his son thinks he's crazy, but it turns out he's right. Like there's that's that's a good story, and we could follow this character uh, as he tr kind of makes peace because he kind of blames himself for sending his wife yeah, yeah. Uh, into you know what became what ended up becoming an accident, and so we could explore that and have it be like okay, well he's. He's determined to expose this truth. He's determined to take down this monster somehow because he needs to, uh, you know, make amends for having, f for the hand he, he, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? For having a hand in his for, wife's death. For basically. having a hand in his wife's death. Yeah. And so there's an interesting story there. Yeah. But yeah. instead he dies and we're following Aaron Taylor Johnson and... He's not a character to me in this movie. Like, his whole story is he's just trying to get home, and, you know, he's got some skills, and so he ends up getting picked up by the military at key moments, and so, you know, he's always there amongst the action, but I, I walk away from his... I walk away from this movie being like, I don't know if there's a story here. There's plot here, but I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from this. I see that, yeah. I think it could definitely use... A re uh, sorry, a rewrite because when they do the fifteen year jump, it always seems a little bit jarring for there to be like some space there. And yeah, I agree. There could be some a better way to ingrain uh, Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston's character and his son, and all of that sort of being in 
the motivation for what they're doing and how it's in connection to the mon- like the the monarch uh, not company yeah. yeah like all of that stuff happening basically that discovering that mystery I think I, I think it's pretty good and yeah I I, I do agree that yeah Aaron Taylor Johnson he's a little bit uh, he's a little wood in, in this and yeah I, I think that there's a better way to have him be with his family and have that be servicing to the plot early on and yeah it is it does drag on a little bit in the in the first like third of this I, I, yeah it's it's a little ridiculous kind of having him trying to get back to elizabeth olsen just like missing these calls and everything and it's just yeah it's just his journey it doesn't seem very isn't super compelling but i don't know i think the yeah. way that it's framed and the way that it's shot i i don't know, I, I walk away with a smile on my face every time yeah it's shot really well there's great there's definitely great sequences. Like you mentioned the the halo jump. Like that was that was a trailer um before this movie came out. It was just that scene. And it's yeah. a fucking great trailer because it's like I remember seeing that and it's playing the fucking Leggetti music over it from 2001. And it's yeah, like it's <laughs> that that scene is so fucking heightened and big and like yeah, I fell in love with that. I was like I'm sold. Like I'm I'm there day one. I want to see this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um and so yeah, I appreciate like I, what this movie is trying to do and when it manages to pull off these really great sequences, all of them featuring Godzilla <laughs> and like he gets Godzilla right. Like he nailed totally, he, yeah. like that. All that shit's fucking great. It's just, yeah, the human element. It's just to me, there isn't really much of a story here. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little with you on that, but I think I'm more forgiving of it because I appreciate yeah. the way that it uses what it has. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, one of the biggest criticisms of this is that, yeah, like, it kills off Brian Cranston too soon. But actually, I don't mind that in this movie. I actually think it's kind of ballsy yeah. that, like, yeah, they get rid of him a little early. I, and when I say that he like, does what he's supposed to do, I mean, like, the way I received it on this rewatch, like, basically, he is trying to solve this mystery of, like, yeah, like, I need to prove to my son that I'm not crazy. And essentially, he does oh. walk away proving that he's not crazy to his son. Uh, he doesn't really yeah. get to see Godzilla or do any like true redemption like that. But I think he has a redemption with the son in that moment. And yeah, I think it's a little bit of a, like a risky ballsy thing to have one of the bigger actors, one of the better actors in this movie uh, get written out fairly early on in favor of like, yeah, this younger couple, which I think is actually <laughs> kind of good too, because like, is that, I, I is that ballsy or a mistake? <laughs> Um, is that ballsy or I don't know I I I think it's ballsy I think it's a ballsy thing I I don't know if it's a a mistake because yeah Yeah. I I think it's at the end of the day (laughs) at the end of the day I think it's he probably would have gotten lost in the rest of the movie but I could be naive thinking about the writing and everything because I saw Kong recently and yeah and I think that movie has an issue towards the end or there's just like a little bit too many characters running around and they have to find a way to to wrap it up and it ends up just being like, okay, we're just going to start killing characters off in unceremonious ways. And I think the way that he dies in this movie feels like earned and it doesn't feel, I don't know. It doesn't feel random. It, it feels like it's earned. I, like he, they always say like, Oh, he's barely in this movie. But I'm like, yeah, he's in like 40 minutes of this movie. And it's a two hour yeah, movie. It's like the whole first act. Yeah. Like he's in basically. a good chunk of this movie. And I think people are just pissed off that they didn't get to see Heisenberg fighting Godzilla, you know, like running yeah. at him with a bomb in his hand or something at the end of the movie, which like, we get something very, very different. And so, yeah, I just, I appreciate the fact that we have Brian Cranston. He's there. He just leads us to the, to the, to the Muto. But once that's happens, you know, it's like, 
he's out of there because there, you know there's a lot of collateral yeah. damage there's a lot of people that are going to be close to this monster and get wiped out and so i'm fine with it i know people because people like that's like one know. of the main criticisms of this movie is him being written out early but i don't mind it honestly because like once he's gone like so the rest of the movie is aaron taylor johnson trying to get home and ken watanabe and sally hawkins and whatever the the military people them just trying to figure out like okay what do we do about godzilla <laughs> and, and like the mudas yeah. and so yeah like the scientist military side of the story is just like providing exposition um it's the typical there's a little bit like... it almost has like kind of a detective quality of just trying to figure out what's going on um but i once again i don't feel like there's too much of a story there there's not really like a ton of conflict between these characters it's just characters talking to each other and trying to understand um the situation and with aaron taylor johnson it's just like we get this save the cat moment where he's saving a young a young boy uh just so we can learn that he's good and we can learn that he's a hero but there's not i'm not getting a ton of emotional conflict out of this guy i'm not i'm not understanding you know like when we talk about so we brought it up we brought it up before like basic screenwriting thing is like what can your character do at the end of the story that they couldn't do at the beginning of the story and that's how you show that the character has like grown and evolved i don't know if you can how you apply that to aaron taylor johnson in this um true yeah i I think that's fair that's a totally fair fair point um yeah i i guess i don't mind i for for that yeah yeah (laughs) because like when we're looking at this is like this is a fucking giant monster movie and so like they could have very easily had no humans in this at all and would totally just had it be uh phoned in across <laughs> that the board. would have been hilarious yeah that you might yeah i don't know it might seem phoned into you like but i to me it feels like it's just like serious enough and like i don't know it's it's not super campy and it's not super melodramatic but it's like it's yeah. just serious enough to work and it has like yeah the the right choice of actors and the right casting to make it all seem plausible and like you know it's 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 totally fine for me to just have Aaron Taylor Johnson and Elizabeth Olsen kind of having this weird back and forth because the, like their chemistry works for me and it, it is a very simple thing. It's like okay, I like them on screen together and I, I yeah. They're, 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 the stakes of it's just the family getting back together, so the stakes are just really basic and really fucking low. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's fine. And so that I think that's a good vehicle for for like this really but, artsy way of Godzilla being portrayed in this movie. And so I think we get a nice like art house Godzilla. So long. <laughs> yeah. True. Yeah, I did. I, I, I am absolutely with you. While watching it this time, I was like, okay, yeah, this could have used a good, a good trimming because yeah, by the cut time like we get twenty minutes out of it, probably. I was gonna say, I was like, <laughs> like forty. I was like, you could cut like a lot. Of this movie oh, okay. Out. Yeah, I'm being yeah. generous. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, every time that the kid shows up in the like the Bart train scene, I kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, yeah, it's a very clear save the cat moment, and it's just like it's very tacked yeah. on to just show that okay, this guy's a good military guy, basically, and. Yeah, he's a, like a bombs expert, but we, we literally we don't learn that much about him until the very towards the end when he's like, "Yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm good at this special thing, and this is what it's going to take to kill Godzilla." But we still have to <laughs> abandon this plan because this plan is stupid, and we're just going to let Godzilla <laughs> fight anyway. And it's, yeah, so yeah. it's it's a little it's definitely like muddy on the way there, but yeah, I think it wins me over because it does Godzilla so so well and having it be like this disaster that you just get glimpses of and you kind of just like it's very chaotic with the way that he's on yeah. screen and then he's not and then he's yeah just like fighting like, and then like the doors close yeah it's just it's I think they do that so well that 
I ignore <laughs> the uh, the blemishes of the the human side of this movie. That fucking reveal of Godzilla. So like when when Ken Watanabe is on the um, aircraft carrier and you see like the scales in the water, like the spikes, Godzilla yeah. spikes coming towards him, and then we get that helicopter shot where you just see it like passing underneath the aircraft character. Yeah, and like it, it the, the sound does something weird at that time, and you see like people scrambling around. And then, so I think that's kind of like our first real glimpse of Godzilla, mm -hmm. um, outside of like the opening credits when you see his scales and stuff. But like, um, then we have that really like the sound design in this movie is fucking great because it always cuts out, like yeah. all of the volume cuts out at like the right times. And so, um, the next big reveal of him that we get is there's a tsunami in Hawaii, and people are like rushing to the rooftops, and the power's going out of all these buildings as like water you know, takes over these buildings. And we see these military guys shoot these red flares into the sky. And the yeah. audio kind of cuts out. And the camera's just following these flares up into the sky until they cross paths with, like, this large scaly beast. And it's just his, like, chest. Like, we're, we're not, we haven't even shot up all the way into the sky that we can see his head. Yeah, it's so and great. it's so fucking good. <laughs> like, yeah, he he... He nails the Godzilla stuff. He, he, like people have talked about, like how great Gareth Edwards is with um, scale, and because in yeah. like Rogue One we feel the size of like the walkers and stuff too, and yeah, and I think a big part of it is just because he he makes sure that the foreground, like stuff you understand the, the size of, like humans and uh, you know little Chinese lanterns in Chinatown and stuff, all that stuff's in the foreground, so you have this reference point. Yeah, um, totally. One of my yeah, favorite little versions of that uh, early on is when they're going to find the Muto, and as it's breaking out of the facility, and everyone's sort of like running away from the, this fucking beast that's breaking out of the cocoon, there's a shot inside of the control room, and it's like, yeah, we get Muto in the back, like sort of bouncing as like the the like cables are on as it's trying to emerge from that little small encampment, but it slowly zooms in on a security uh, footage of just like a bunch of workers running running down a girder. And I just like little moments like that in this movie where, yeah, it the camera frames the smaller, like it frames the people and it frames just the human reaction to a lot of these things and it helps sell just the fucking, yeah, just the massive size of these beasts. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's why I adore this movie a little bit to the point where, yeah, I ignore just... All, any, like, all like the Brian, well, <laughs> all the Brian Cranston uh, criticisms and all of those things. I'm just like, okay, but what about, <laughs> what about those scales though? What about, like, what about when? Yeah, he steps into like the airport area. Yeah, yeah, it's just like his flat foot, and yeah, it's just the the way that the camera pans from the mood to on, on one side, it goes with the uh, the crowd. Godzilla steps in, and it kind of flows back. Yeah, it's like the way that the camera like just flows. It's just really good in this movie. Well, I think <clears throat> I want to say it was like Sidney Lumet or someone who said that as long as you leave them on a crowd pleaser, like they will forgive the issues of the movie. Okay, and I yeah. feel like I feel like, you know, we finally get that fight at the end and he tears that Mudo's he does his atomic breath down his throat and he's walking away with the head and stuff. And it's kind of the same thing as in Rogue One. Like Rogue One, I have a lot of problems with that movie, but mm -hmm. it's undeniable that that <laughs> Like, the last act of that movie is so fucking fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that, because I'm such a Star Wars nerd, like, I'm way more forgiving of that than I am for this. I love Godzilla, but uh, he's my big 
He's my big boy. <laughs> yeah, but, that, uh, that's, I, I was going to say, I think I'm probably, uh, or as a kid, I was a, a Godzilla nerd because, yeah, fucking that movie was just massive to me when I was like seven or eight. And that was my favorite thing. Had all the merchandise, knew every single thing about that movie. And then, yeah, kind of fell out of love with it as I got older and didn't really revisit the movie or the series until this came out. And so when this came out, I was like, holy shit, this is a really weird movie. It is, it is a little long. It's very dark. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just a very strange package altogether, but I just fucking love Godzilla in this movie so much that, yeah, it makes me forgive everything else. So yeah. Sydney Lumet, very on point observation. <laughs> what do you think of Godzilla's design? Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Cause I, I grew up with like a more, uh, lizardy Godzilla, the more uh, I don't even know how you describe that one. It's more like a Velociraptor uh, T Rex yeah. Godzilla, and this one's cool. Like he's burly, he's 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 a chunky boy, he's a he's a healthy boy, he's and, a uh, chunker. He's he's hefty. <laughs> he's got heft. Yeah, I was reading that. Like yeah, they designed him like kind of to be bear like and to be like a Komodo dragon. Yeah, and he's just he, he has a very imposing. Uh, presence on screen he, yeah when he shows up in the chinatown shot that's one of my favorite ones when it's the very slow pan up and yeah you just kind of see it. he's just like looks like a boxer he's just like a very thick looking monster yeah man he's got his, his like i remember his arms being smaller on the rewatch i'm like oh no he's he'll be all right like yeah. i think he can he can grapple he can wrestle with yeah. uh king kong hopefully um yeah and th- that tail too it's got a, the tail is not to be forgotten did you know there were going to be other monsters going into this? No, that's yeah, that's the one like weird fake out where I, sorry, where we're led to believe that yeah, like the thing that Brian Cranston is looking for will be Godzilla, but no, it's revealed that it's these Mutos, these weird like uh, I forget what the uh, acronym is for, um, but yeah, these it's weird like, like <laughs> un- I, I I gosh, what is it like? The U is unidentified, like unidentified terrestrial organism, but I don't know what the M is for massive <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i like it the design is is really creepy it's like this weird metallic bat like creature that has this weird screeching like yeah just the, whenever it's it makes its noise it's like very metal and like it, yeah just it's a grinding kind of screech and yeah the the egg sack is really just very strange yeah, like glowing the, sack. yeah like the fact that it like it lays its eggs around like the warhead i always like i love that detail that it's like this spiraling like nest around this warhead I, yeah i like yeah. the 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 uh, sorry the way this movie plays with just the history of yeah this nuclear tests and like you know dealing with america's history with dealing with nuclear weapons and nuclear war and yeah fucking hiroshima and uh, yeah i just i just like that like there's there's some mentions of it like when he uh when ken wants yeah. on with these character hands him like the stopwatch or whatever so yeah i i like the little like nods that this movie kind of gives gives to that there's even i noticed uh at the beginning when brian cranston and Aaron taylor johnson they go into the sort of quarantine zone um they're in a classroom and did you notice that mothra reference mm-hmm. there's like a a little tank yeah labeled mothra and so it's like oh okay yeah. like we have to have all our little nods yeah well, also yeah. in the beginning credits they're they uh they're doing the redacted thing over all of the people's names and so when brian cranston's name up there there's walter white and then that's the name that gets whited mm. out in the beginning so yeah there's just little silly things in this movie and they fucking could have dialed that up way more as they do in uh king of the monsters in the later movies and so i appreciate yeah. this movie because it 
it, I think it found it finds a nice balance between it being just a little, not too silly, not too ridiculous, and yeah, a, a, it's a solid monster disaster movie that doesn't get too ridiculous. I mean, I'm definitely really excited to watch the rest because I know the rest do get more ridiculous, and so I feel like this might function as like an introduction it it kind of works as a crescendo of like we're we're building up to that and then yeah. we get that fight at the end with godzilla and the mudos and it's like okay just like take how you felt in that moment and then go into the next one because it's only just going to get more and more heightened i guess a little bit you haven't seen king of the monsters have you i have seen king of the monsters okay. yeah uh, yeah don't really yeah We'll talk about that one later, but yeah, I don't remember, <laughs> okay. remember it much, and I watched it like a month ago. I um, don't remember it too much. I, f I remember being like, this is silly and dumb, and I'm re I'm fine with that. Um, I remember there was a couple guys behind me in the theater who were just like giddy the entire time, and they were like <laughs> giggling with excitement. Gotcha. Um, it kind awesome. of enhanced the whole experience, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of how I feel while watching this one, too. Like, it's I, it does the the Jaws thing with Godzilla where you say it's, you know, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of Godzilla in this movie and we get very brief glimpses and until the end where it sort of shows up and has a, like the, the big fight. But yeah, I, yeah. that's one of the things that I like about this movie. And I, I just like how we don't really get to see a lot of them. And one of the, my favorite moments is when Elizabeth Olsen's character is running into the bar station and like, she's in this crowd of people and they, they turn around and that's just as yeah, this, fight, this fight, this fight is yeah. starting and then the doors close. But as that happens, we cut back to the, the sun, like watching this fight uh, is, is that the fight that's happening in Honolulu? Uh, I think I might be getting, yeah, the, it's the Honolulu fight. And then we cut to the sun watching it. Yeah. He's watching it. And, then, yeah, and he's like, yeah, there's like the dinosaurs on the coffee table in front of him. And then on the yeah. TV, there's just like, they're just actually just fully swinging it out. And I, I just like laugh at that moment every time. Cause yeah, it's just, it's, it's silly. It's brief. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's but it's what like, I, come yeah. on, give me the fight. I know. I think it's it's nice. We get teased in this movie. This movie is all about just teasing us with Godzilla. And I, I, I fucking love that. And I think that it, it makes a really interesting experience just compared to other Godzilla movies. I think that's why, yeah, that, that's why I like it because it feels like it's a slight response to that like oversaturation. It does. It feels kind of like an anti blockbuster a little bit where it's like, yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to focus on the people. It's not going to be all about monster fighting. Like, you're going to get 10 minutes of Godzilla in this two-hour movie. Um, yeah, and it's going to be, like, 10 just incredibly decadent, like, minutes of Godzilla that are pretty fucking great. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I, I say I, I am into it, and I forgive it for that. Yeah, I would, I would totally see another Gareth Edwards Godzilla movie where, like, but just, I want him to take the other approach and be like, no, just be indulgent. <laughs> like, just really, like, go wild with all the Godzilla shit. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, indulgent, I think, just can be, <laughs> it can manifest in, in ways we don't want sometimes. And, I want to know. I want to yeah. know what that means for Gareth Edwards. So. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just comparing it too much, My or I'm thinking too much about the 1997 version i just don't want it to be slapsticky and i just don't want it to be yeah. ridiculous you know, ridiculous, i don't want yeah. uh, a, a taxi cab driving into godzilla's mouth and then like reversing out and just just doing ridiculous shit i think yeah just so yeah. many other things that just don't need to be in the conversation of a godzilla fight it's like no like just have him swinging at this large 
bat in the middle of Chinatown knocking over buildings and we get glimpses of it as if it's like a, a vi- like a fight, you know, like a fight happening online where you just get like a small internet clip of it. It's like, oh shit, like that was just incredibly visceral and incredibly violent, but then you just then it's over. And so I think it does that well. I feel like Sally Hawkins is totally wasted in this movie. I feel like a lot of the actors are. I for, I've just I just forgot that she was in it. Yeah. Um, most of the time she's on screen, she's putting her hands in front of her face and looking worried. <laughs> um, that's yeah, about, that's about it. Yeah, and uh, Ken Watanabe, I think his uh, "Let Them Fight" part is is a ridiculous moment. But yeah, it's yeah. I don't know, it's I, become I, iconic. It's become mostly just because it's like kind of a meme. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little. It's good. Little... I I liked I liked seeing that in the theater. I'm like, hell yeah, yeah, let them fight. That's yeah. what that's what we're here to fucking see. Yeah, and I guess I'm sort of with you. Where yeah, it, there's moments where they could have camped it up more and made it a little, yeah indulged a little bit more and like yeah. that that final fight should have been 20 minutes. <laughs> like I've waited this long. Let me like let me really enjoy it. You know. I I I, I see that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's a good fight though. Yeah, we just get like some very fucking brutal things that happen very quickly, and instead of it being like a long, like drawn out fight, it's just like you know we just get to see Godzilla just really like manhandle and like completely snap like like treats like the Mucho like a crab basically and just like snaps its mouth and just like, viscerates it entirely with this energy beam. Oh, also yeah, yeah. I, I love the the reveal when uh, he's fighting the the smaller one and. The, the the way that they shoot his tail lighting up from the bottom very slowly ringing yeah. back up to the top. That's another, like, fucking awesome moment in this movie where it's like, yeah, it, it takes its its time to, to really frame that nicely. And the sound sells it, too, as, like, this huge ramping up as, you know, we get to the top of his head and he fucking breathes out the fire. Yes, yeah, another... <laughs> like extremely crowd pleasing moment that yeah i agree we probably could have more moments like that but the fact that it only happens once it feels super heavy and it feels like you know it feels like special a, yeah it feels like a like a like a finishing move like okay like this is coming out for a special occasion i guess so, one last thing what did you think of the music yeah i took the mu- the music um yeah because it's not like it's not like background it's not subtle like it feels pretty like it's trying to build themes and I don't know. It feels like it, it demands your attention way more than I would expect from a movie. That's all about, you know, um, withholding from the audience. Yeah. 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 I agree. I liked it. Yeah. And I think we, you mentioned it spot on earlier that the fact, yeah, the music is really good, but then the moments where it sort of cuts out the silence, I think it helps emphasize Mm -hmm. everything else. And honestly, I don't think I was focusing too much on that, on this listen through, uh, on this watch through, but maybe on the next time I watch it, I'll have my ear open for the music a little bit more. And I feel like Gareth Edwards really loves the sounds of creaking. So it's like the, yeah, (laughs) like he, he does that a lot to like build tension and to also like, so, so, I noticed it in Rogue One when uh, all the lights go, all, you know, the sirens are blaring and they know Vader's coming onto the ship. All of the rebels are with their guns drawn. Yeah. And then I, th- I think the sirens stop and it's just pitch black and we just hear the creaking of the ship. It's... <laughs> okay. And then, his, and then his lightsaber lights up. And I'm like, oh, he that, that reminds me of Godzilla. Like, because he does that a lot in this movie where it's just like... I don't know what it is. It's just their bodies make those noises sometimes. And yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I like that. Yeah. It's just, 
recognizing just the space and just the humans being in the space. And uh, yeah, that's one thing that the, this movie sets out and does really well is just recognizing the, the, the human side of the things and the, yeah, the human side of this fucking massive conflict. And yeah, yeah. I think he does it. I think he does it well. Yeah. I, I think music is, is great and the sound is great. And yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll continue to praise Godzilla 2014. Every time <laughs> someone brings it up to me, it's like, no, it's fantastic. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> no notes from Thomas. <laughs> yeah, no notes, just tens. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what have you been watching lately? I've been watching a lot of random things now that I've been couch locked and just yeah. literally watching whatever HBO has to offer. Um, the other day I was watching Beavis and Butthead do America. And I think it's interesting because that movie also starts off with the Kaiju battle with <laughs> massive okay. Beavis and massive Butthead, both fighting, <laughs> fighting over, you know, just a girl, like a topless girl that's inside of this thing. And it, yeah, it's just, just silly. I've never seen that movie all the way through. Cause I was never, into Beavis and Butthead growing up. Cause yeah, I was like, like five or six or something like that when it came out. So I was way too young to really get it or to understand it. And so, yeah, it's just interesting to watch that movie and to, yeah, I don't, I don't have much really to say about it, but yeah, have you, what are your thoughts about Beavis and Butthead? Like, were you into it growing um, up? Yeah. Beavis and Butthead. I remember. So my sister had like, um, what do you call it? Like a, you, a trundle bed. Is, is that what it's called? Where it's like a bed you pull out from underneath a, a larger bed. Huh. But um, oh, okay. so my my sister's six years older than me, and sometimes I would like go sleep on her trundle bed, and like, mm. and she would stay up late when she was like a teenager, and she would watch MTV. But she would wait until I'd fallen asleep because I was younger and I shouldn't have been watching that. Yeah, I would pretend to be sleeping so that I could stay up and watch Beavis and Butthead with her. Um. And so, yeah, like Beavis and Butthead, they, I feel like I throw them on sometimes when Emily and I are hanging out and I feel like she's not really into it, but she kind of puts up with it. Yeah. Um, Because to me, it's just like this transgressive, like moment of the nineties. It's, it's like a time capsule and it's really special to be in that way. And I think the best stuff from Beavis and Butthead was just when they would comment on music videos, not so much the more like sitcom-y aspects of the show. Yeah. But um but I mean come on, it's fucking Mike Judge. Like Yeah. Everything Mike, he yeah. touches is pretty fucking good. So he 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 knows what he's doing. And so yeah, I'm totally yeah, done. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think there's this weird uh phenomenon with this movie because it it's before King of the Hill. So there's that proto mm-hmm. Hank Hill character that's sort of yeah. adjacent to them in this movie that sounds just like Hank Hill but looks like an awful version just like that character just looks so disgusting as a lot of characters in the beavis and butthead world look really grotesque but yeah i just think the the characters and everything in that movie is really strange because yes beavis and butthead do america but like america is just them going to las vegas and then back to (laughs) to washington dc so it's more like just middle america and it's like this desert odyssey it's just yeah just a fucking bizarre strange movie just to be watching (laughs) in the middle it's interesting how uniquely american mike judges like it feels yeah. like every he's always commenting on american culture and not just like it's never just what it means to be a human <laughs> like or or anything like that it's always like this is an examination of our our, our culture yeah 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 particularly just this weird lower class grime that's just very music literate and very yeah just aware of just fucking the nation yeah. um, what have you been watching this week 
Uh, I haven't been watching much. I did read this comic called Junji Ito's Cat Diary. Um, are you familiar with Junji Ito? He's a horror artist. Yeah. Yeah. So he's mostly known for his horror. Uh, this I, I bought it thinking it was like a horror comic or something. And I read it. It turns out it's just it's kind of it kind of is just his cat diary like he okay. <laughs> him and his fiance adopted a uh or or they i think they took a couple cats from her parents like they adopted them from her parents and it's it's a comedy all about how he's trying to build a relationship with these cats about how they favor his wife over him and how he gets jealous mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I've never owned a cat. I've always been kind of a dog person. But after reading this, I'm like, oh, I think I get it now. <laughs> like, yeah. you just, you want to cohabitate with something. And, you know, it's going to live its life. You're going to live your life. And those moments where you're together and you're united and you're interacting, like, those are magic. And you really savor those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cats are a weird divine <laughs> creature. <laughs> Have you, are you a cat person? Um, I don't want to say I'm a cat person. I'd probably say I'm a dog person, but I love cats. And yeah, I'm always a fan of the more relaxed cats. Like a relaxed cat is like a supreme being, in my opinion. They can just do everything on their own. And then when they need your affection, they'll come to you. (laughs) Yeah. And then you feel like, oh, I'm chosen. Yeah. This is wonderful. Um, Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, Yeah, that's about it for me. Uh, WandaVision? What do you think? I... Do you need to uh, look at your notes? <laughs> uh, I don't have any notes for WandaVision. Um, I was watching that episode and I was just really frustrated because there was just so many things about it that I felt like just weren't working for me personally. Mm. I just, the modern family thing just wasn't working with just Wanda alone. And I think that's one thing maybe that the showrunners of this show didn't really get when they're like, okay, we're going to approach other genres and approach these other like niches in in television and have episodes themed that way but some some of those other shows have characters and are set up in a way to make them work and that's one thing that makes modern family work as an office alternative because you know the office okay you have characters and they have their moment where they're talking to the camera and they're doing their jokes their little talking head moment and modern family sort of turns that up to 11 because there's just so many characters and there's just so many different cutaways and different viewpoints with you're doing that with wandavision it's just not working because she's by herself she's literally like she's doing these like deadpan jokes and it's yeah there's no studio laughter it's just like dead air and it it just felt so cold to me i was just like what am i watching right now like this like like it doesn't feel like a parody of of modern family and it doesn't feel like a good wandavision thing because yeah it's like the facade is falling apart and so it it was just a very awkward episode of television. I was just so uncomfortable watching it. I was like, this is just just not working for me. And so that that was my main takeaway. And yeah, I, I actually sort of was softer on Kat Dennings at the end of it. I actually watched a couple of episodes of Two Broke Girls this week just because I've been watching so oh, okay. many things. And I was like, okay, you know what? Kat Dennings, you're, you're, you're good in my book because I, I appreciate you a little bit more now. <laughs> but yeah, I just, yeah, well, this episode was just not good. I just was not into it and... Yeah, I, I don't know. What, what did you um, think? I mean, so I'm not a fan of Modern Family. Uh, I think when it came out, uh, like, I, I haven't really given it too much of a shot. It's just when mm. it came out, I felt like that format had already run its course for me. Um, yeah. I find it really distracting, and I just can't 
take my mind off the format. Like I can't appreciate what the show's doing because all I'm thinking about is the format. And so, so having watched WandaVision where every week it is progressing through the history of sitcom formats, I'm wondering like, has the format gotten more aggressive and in your face over the years? Like, is is that actually the natural trajectory? Like, I feel like the, um, just just the fact that sitcoms have laugh tracks is really strange. Like that yeah. feels like a very in your face thing. And we've replaced laugh tracks with characters straight up talking to the camera. Um, so I, I don't know, like sitcoms are just bizarre to me <laughs> and I, I find them really distracting. Um, yeah, and laugh tracks are an even more curious thing because basically once we got to Arrested Development era, the culture all agreed, like, okay, we're done with laugh tracks. Yeah. There's shows that are successful, like Big Bang Theory, that, you know, still have laugh tracks. But in general, the consensus is if you like, quote-unquote, sophisticated comedy, if you like your comedy to be a little bit of a higher brow, you don't mess with laugh tracks. With yeah, because laugh tracks are silly. But then there will still be, like, shows that have them, like Netflix, like the show, I think The Ranch had one, and they had a, a weed yeah. TV show that had a laugh track. And I remember watching that with my friends and being like, I was like, okay, there's no amount of weed that I could smoke to make me <laughs> laugh at a laugh track on a TV show. It's just so strange. It's just so weird to me to have that like, be part of the show. Like, I love Seinfeld, but I've talked to so many people who have, like, who have said I've never seen Seinfeld before, and I, I will like rewatch episodes because I'm like, okay, how do I introduce someone who's never seen this mm -hmm. to the show? And I think it's really hard to do because we're so out of touch with that format now. And yeah. like, you, like you said, uh, Arrested Development is like a, you know, it's like it's like the next level of of sitcoms. You know, we've we've shed ourselves of the need for laugh tracks, but Arrested Development still has a narrator, and that's kind of a yeah. weird thing. Like that's kind of uh an unusual presence in in your story i guess true um but yeah, compared to like it's always sunny which doesn't have any of that it's just the characters being yeah, themselves it's just and it just feeds off of that yeah it's just we're it's a silly show that's it um there's no sort of formal hook um yeah and i don't know i think yeah comedy has gotten really strong in that regards but yeah then there's issues like this where there's a type of comedy that relies on yeah we're all gonna like have our moment at the camera and i've watched episodes i've watched like i think a full season of modern family and totally get i get i understand how it works and why it works because okay you have just phil dunphy and his family and then you have his like old like the older family that's like a little more diverse and dealing with like racial stuff and it's like the the gay family that has like you know the dealing with the adopted kid and there's just there's just so many different perspectives and so yeah. the, the color palette is so there's much more vibrant and, yeah, it, yeah it's just like there's yeah, like each family has like two kids like, so there's just like there's just so much shit going on there's so many characters it's great but then yeah with this wandavision parody it's just her and elizabeth olsen is fantastic i think she's you know, she doesn't have a lot to work with yeah. in Godzilla, but I think she's pretty good in Godzilla too. And I think she does great. She uh, she works well with material, even if the material is kind of flat. And yeah, but this was was really rough to just see her kind of being yeah. alone on screen doing these jokes as her character is going insane. It was just really uncomfortable for me. I was like, this is just um, not fun. I had to watch an episode of Duck Dynasty for work. <laughs> oh, okay, um, <laughs> and. I had never seen it before, and I I was completely sober when I watched it, but I felt like I was high because gotcha. I was so <laughs> in my own head the whole time. Because like I couldn't fucking I couldn't 
like just <sighs> I couldn't no, I just I couldn't handle what I was seeing. I couldn't handle what I, I was dealing with, what I was being confronted with. Because the way that show compete. operates because the way that show operates, it's supposed to be a reality show. And it's like, okay, you know, the characters are going about their day. It, it feels like Modern Family, where it's like, uh, you know, it's a reality show, the characters are doing real shit, and then we're interviewing them later, and they're talking about the real shit that's happening. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like, and it's obviously not a reality show, it's obviously staged. Like, they're putting everyone in these weird predicaments and stuff. Um, okay. But, so, so, yeah, I'm having to deal with the fact that, one, this is calling itself a reality show, but it's staged. Two, um all of these interviews they're just describing what's happening on screen <laughs> like oh, yeah. every time they every time they cut to someone like uh, the talking head interview they're like and then James got on his bike and then he started riding and I was like what's going on <laughs> and yeah, so and like as they're talking about happened. that <laughs> yeah we're seeing it happen and so it's like there's no room for me to do any, my brain is not doing any work to process what it is being exposed to because I'm being hit with it visually and like uh, sonically. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah, just a trip. It's, it's insane. I like, yeah, yeah. I, think, I felt like I was high. No, I feel I like the the talking head thing. I think it works for dating shows because you can be like, okay, like you're seeing what's happening, but then you can sort of get like the the he said she said of it. Like, okay, like yeah. well, I felt like this about it, but for stuff like that, is when it's clearly kind of objective. It's like okay, like the talking head is just going to be them explaining what's happening, and so yeah, yeah that'll yeah. It's, it's like with a dating show, you're getting context that isn't immediately identifiable, <laughs> and so it's like you're creating this collision between what you see and what you hear versus with Doc Dynasty, what you see and what you hear are exactly the same. So there's no re- So one of them doesn't need to be here. <laughs> um, and one of them is just unnecessary noise. And, no, they gotta, yeah. they gotta say it twice because people aren't listening. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I, I don't know how fucking people watch this. So it happens uh, when your audience is screaming half the time, so you have to say it yeah. twice. So you have to say, okay, it's just, you probably didn't catch on the first round. Yeah, yeah there's, a, like, when I was, I, the last time I was, like, sick, I was watching this random show on Netflix. Um, it was, I forget the name of it, but, yeah, it was just about a particular highway in Canada that just had the most amount of car accidents just because of it's just just so snowy. So it's just about these guys that had this particular piece of equipment. And I was just like, yeah, like, was why am I ice- watching... Ice road truckers or whatever? It's or? it's not ice road truckers. It's something like adjacent. It's literally just like it's ice road rescue. Like it's just okay, about okay. the car accidents. And so yeah, like and they yeah, they're just explaining to like what's happening on screen. And I'm just like, yeah, like yeah, this I, is I, I'm of, watching it. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is numbing on a level that I don't need it to be. Like I don't need you to, you know, to say everything twice. It's super yeah. redundant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, anyway. That's, yeah, that's that's all I had to say. Anyway, that's WandaVision for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, next totally. week, um, it's my choice. We're watching the Godzilla movies, so I can choose anything I want to watch for next week. And so I'm going to choose Shin Godzilla, <laughs> a, a different Godzilla movie, awesome. um, because I think it'll like I've been wanting, I've been wanting to watch this for a while. Uh, this is like one of my favorite movies of the 2010s, okay. and. <clears throat> And I think, yeah, it was just the perfect time now because we just watched the American contemporary Godzilla. So let's see 
how do the Japanese do it? You know, they've they've seen all of these movies. How do they sort of reboot uh, the Godzilla franchise? Yeah. Awesome. I'm so, stoked. Yeah, I literally it. just bought that today. Uh, oh, really? I a, yeah, I, yeah, I bought a bunch of stuff to watch. And yeah, that's that was the first thing that put, I put inside of my my, oh, yeah. my box. I was like, I'm Shin Godzilla Blu-ray. That's the first Let's thing. Let's do it. So, yeah, I'm excited. Um, and we will be joined by my friend AJ, my friend Alex Elling. So hopefully he doesn't mind me saying his last name on here. But It's all good. Hopefully not. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Wanna... Sorry about that. Um <laughs> I will do the sign off. All right. This has been episode 29. Fuck. Sorry. This has been episode 28. Let me do that over. Okay. This has been episode 28 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. I do not have my contact notes in front of me, but if you would like to contact us, you can tweet at us at VagueZone on Twitter. If you would like to, you know, contact us with some lists or some questions, suggestions, or lists, all of that, we're into it. I don't have the Gmail off the top of my head, but yes, uh, I have the Twitter, so it's all good. <laughs> no one, ma- no one emails us anyway. So it's it's fine. Hit, yeah, hit us up on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and tell well, your friends thanks for listening. Yeah, <laughs> tell your friends. Thank you for listening. It's been episode twenty-eight. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. Adios.